Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Coming to you here on a Monday night. I know this episode is going to drop on Wednesday, so a little bit of space between the episode recording and the episode dropping, but uh, super excited to be here tonight, talk about a couple different things happening across the MLB. Dan, how are we doing today? Hanging in there. It's Monday. I just saw your physical reaction, and then I saw you pick up the phone to text the group chat. What's going on in Philly sports right now? No, nothing. That was uh, unrelated to Philadelphia sports. Um, that was something else. That, uh, was something else. <laughs> That's uh, all I'll give you. All I got before clicking record was I'm turning on the Sixers game. So then and I then see I changed physical- my mind and turned on something else. Well, that's <laughs> so- that. That's that. That is a that is a a you. As long as it doesn't have anything to do with baseball, we'll we'll keep it. Uh, We'll keep it focused on the MLB. So uh, obviously, a lot of baseball over the weekend. We're in full swing in the MLB right now. A uh, ton of stuff going on, and, and specifically, probably the biggest thing that happened this weekend was Rocco Baldelli was frustrated. Domingo Herman was told to wash his hands. We all found out this weekend that apparently the umpires have a clause where they're able to tell a pitcher to wash his hands, and if they feel something like too much rosin and it becomes tacky, you just tell them to rinse it off. Come back out. We'll check you. You'll be good to go. Well, when Domingo Herman came back out, apparently he decided to touch the rosin before he came back on the mound. I guess they have rosin in the dugout. They have rosin out on the mound. I watched the John Boy breakdown 100%. He was definitely using the rosin in the dugout early in the game. And then once they told him to stop, he was using the rosin on the mound 100%. 
Well, was the original wash your hands a warning? That's where the lines are gray, and that's where Rocco Baldelli comes into play. Rocco Baldelli's like, you warned him. Why is he not ejected? Why did you not take a stand? What are we doing? How are we going to let this guy go back out there with tax? So, Dan, obviously we don't – I mean, we can talk about the rosin versus stick and versus – all this spider tech and stuff like that more in detail. But what are your initial thoughts coming from uh, the, the happenings in the Bronx? If I was good at this, I'd give you some like super hot take answer that would, you know, be super controversial. I, I don't, it seems so stupid to me. And this is my issue. This is my issue with it at some point. And I'm not taking their side, but umpires at some point, like there's too much like, things they got to follow up with and and do they have leeway here? What's the rule? And can the patter call time at eight seconds, eight and a half, nine, where's the pitcher at? Is it when his leg lifts, when his hand separates, when the clock goes to zero, is it a ball? Is like these bozos have enough problems with ball strike safe out and swing or no swing. And now they got to do this stuff. So that's my first issue is what is the rule? What is the club? We went away, right? In 20, was it 2020 or 21 when we had the, the, the sticky stuff crack? 2021. Right? And, and, you know, guys like Tyler Glasnow and Garrett Cole had to reinvent themselves because they had been spider tag babies. And um, we went into the crackdown and, you know, that was all for the good of the game. And I was fine with that because it was getting a little bit ridiculous. The, the stuff that people were throwing and the amount of spin they had. And look, are guys still using stuff? I'm sure there's something else that we've we've come up with because spin rates are kind of they're not as bad as they were when Spider Attack was the craze, but they're back up there. So I I just don't understand if you're gonna like I, I'm completely on Rocco Baldelli's side. I guess is my point. Like you told him to wash his hands. You checked him on the way back out to the mound. His hand was still sticky. How are you just like, oh, okay, next time, young man, make sure you listen to me and wash your hands or you're going to go to timeout. Like, no, like that's not – like if you get a warning for if – I if, if, if a coach or a manager or a player gets a warning for arguing balls and strikes and they argue again, they get run. If you get warned for getting thrown at – for throwing at someone and you hit someone, intentional or not, because we can never really, you know, prove intent, you're run. So how is it like if we're cracking down on sticky stuff and we don't want it and we tell umpires to check after every half inning and they find something and it's a little too tacky and they tell you to clean it off, we're not going to run you, and you come back out without cleaning it off, how isn't there an ejection? Like I'm just as mind blown as Rocco Baldelli. I don't care what – like there's rosin – used rosin in the – washed his hands and then applied rosin in the dugout. Like they came back out before he got on the mound. His hand was too tacky again. How is that not an immediate ejection? Yeah, I think that there's a couple things that my brain goes to, right? Is the first off is that I don't think it's being enforced across the MLB as much as people want to even think. The fact that this is the first time since the beginning of last year that I can remember this has happened. Yeah. any pitcher being told, like, hey, go wash your hands, tells me that they're just like barely touching the pitcher's hands because guys are definitely finding ways, whether it is loading up on rosin to get as much tack as they can, whether it's sunscreen and rosin, which is illegal technically, which I I don't even know how that's illegal, quite frankly. So like, how can you tell a guy he can't spray sunscreen and then Skin use rosin? Is real. 
like, yeah, like how can you keep that under check? But you're right. I mean, when you think about Rocco Baldelli and how he handled the situation, what else is he supposed to do? Because there's two things. He wasn't in the conversation over there. So he doesn't know what said. He doesn't know that Domingo Herman was told to wash his hand because it was too tacky. He, For all he knows, if you feel the hand, he's using stick, you give him a chance to come back. That's already a step. We see guys in college getting wrung for pounding their chest at the other team's dugout. Oh, and we got MLB pitchers coming out with illegal sticky substances, quote-unquote, obviously from Rocco's perspective of being in the other dugout. Like, How does he know that he's only using rosin and not tar and not – spider attack or something that's more severe. And then you see him come back out. There's a whole, like, it's not like they kept it in the wraps under in the tunnel. Like, Hey, let's, let's get this situated before we go out on national television. It was like, no, we're going to come out of a commercial break and we're going to have a Senate hearing on the first base dug outside. <laughs> and then we're going to send him back out to the mound. Like, and I'm like, pretty sure. Right. I'm pretty sure I saw Hal Steinbrenner out there. Like we had that all of the Yankees organization was out there. The, the umpires union came over. I, I, it was like ridiculous. And I guess my thing too is, is like, you make a good point. I have not seen that. I've yet to see. So how sticky were, does Domingo Herman's hand if the umpires were finally like, do, like I'm sure Yankee fans, um, the geniuses that they all are, thought that they were being targeted. Like, oh, he's just mad that Herman, you know, whatever. But like how sticky must his hand have been for them for the first time to be like, now we could also, we also don't know this, Trevor, because this could also be the first time that someone's been told to wash their hands and they didn't comply. Because True. we could, there could be checks at those times when guys are going over there. And actually, I think Rocco Baldello mentioned that it's happened a couple of times to his guys, where it's like, "Go wash your hands," and they do it. Where it's like, "Okay, go wash it off," because it's probably too much rosin; it's getting too tacky. They do it, and they go back out there. They use more rosin, and, and we we proceed. But for him, like that's where to me, and I think Rocco Baldelli too is it's bizarre. Is it's like, where's the line then? Can you just ignore them? Can I just ignore them? Can I be sunscreen and rosin and then, hey, it's tacky and you tell me to go wash it off and I go do it again and then it's like I'm just good? Like that's what was so weird about the way they handled it. And I thought Baldelli, especially in the post game, um, you know, I saw some media likes giving him crap for his post game, but, you know, they have some Yankee ties, so it wasn't surprising. But it's just like the way he answered the questions, he was like, look, I don't know if he was using anything illegal. I don't know even what that conversation was after. Because I wasn't involved. I'm not saying that's why I like Domingo Herman was really good today. I'm not saying it was the sticky stuff that like the fact that his tans was tacky is why he was good. And we don't know that. I don't know that either. Herman was just really good that day. That's not the kind of what Baldelli was upset about. And that's not what makes me kind of frustrated. It's the fact that like you told him to wash his hands off. He comes back out. You check him again. It's still sticky. He clearly didn't or he reapplied it. And you let him keep going. How does that make sense? And to Baldelli's point, he was like, I knew when they let him continue, I was leaving that dugout. And I could not go back into that dugout and say to my team, well, guys, he was like, I knew I was going to get thrown out. I had to. Because it's like, then I'm not taking a stand. Because he was like, this makes no sense. Because umpires, you're basically saying he's doing something he's not supposed to. And now you're saying, go ahead and continue doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think the... The point of it all is it's funny because you said he had something sticky on his hand. If you hear Booney talk about it, if you heard the umpire talk about it, if you heard anything from that side, it was tacky. Tacky. They used which, the word tacky. Right. Not Good buzzword. Sticky. Sorry. 
Right. Like, and right. what what is like the blurred lines of giving umpires this much creative like responsibility, control, responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and to a certain extent, there are no guidelines on what is sticky and what is not, and what is tacky, <laughs> and what is sweat and what is sunscreen and what is tar and what is rosin, like. All of those blurred lines that, like, do they take a class in the winter of, like, feel my hand and tell me what's on my hand? Is that how we solve this issue? I don't know. And to me, this is where I think the MLB, there's a couple things. One, there needs to be a better job of centralizing everybody can use this. They put the rosin bags out there now that are more stick than than anything. They're right. a little heavier. They're a little tackier, for lack of a better term, um, able to get a little bit of a better grip. We have guys – this is why I was never a problem with stick or anything was because we have guys throwing the hardest they've ever thrown in their lives. And in the heat of the summer, sweaty palms and anything like that could put a guy in a hospital. That's why I never, and I know a lot of hitters that would say, sure, you're spinning it out the wazoo and I'd like to be able to make contact, but I'd also like to have my face intact. So we need to centralize a way for guys to use it and Everybody just be okay. Like his hand is sticky. That's fine because he's using this, right? And it's for grip and it's for this and it's for everything like that is, and is the new rosin that then let's stop, like just stop with the, the check, the field, the hand that's eyewash 95% of the times it happens. Because even if a guy had ta- spider tack on his hands, he's probably going to get told to take a brush and scrub that thing off his hand because he's getting tossed if he comes back out with it. So they all get a get out of jail free card anyway, and who know like and who knows where it's located behind their ear or anything like that. Like just allowing them to do it would just get rid of the need for even the checks, the questions, and anything like that. Because I think if you gave guys an opportunity to gain grip, you're always going to get those guys that are going to want that advantage. But I just think at this point, with the headaches that it's been, just give somebody something to use on a daily basis. Every pitcher can use it. It's all legal. Let's just do that. Well, and there's got to be – I think that was the biggest issue of when they made the change was like, okay, no more tacky, sticky stuff, whatever you want to call it. No more spider tack. No more sunscreen and rosin. Which sunscreen and rosin? That's like – I mean, I've used sunscreen and rosin before. It's not – crazy it enhances the rosin a little bit what it what i thought it did mostly is yes it gives you a little more tack but also sometimes rosin can really dry your hand out too if you use too much and then you're getting an adverse effect um so the sunscreen would keep some moisture in there so that you had you know you were getting the tack that you wanted from the rosin now i i think to me it's like like you said I don't think it's like hey do what you want that that i get that all right guys are getting too big of an advantage Spin rates were maybe a little out of control. I understand that. We have to, there has to be a point, right? We can't let Trevor Bauer, that weirdo that he is, you know, get in a a science lab and cook up some concoction and, you know, have a Cy Young year because of it. Yeah. And back then, you can't really fault guys for doing that either. No, no, no. Because there was no, like, that is what, as long as you didn't have companies like Drive. Right. 100%. Like companies like Driveline, it's all about finding the next initiative. So if you know that stick is not being controlled, like 
go boil some Coca-Cola and throw a stick of pine tar in there and put it in a jar and smuggle it into a baseball locker room. Like you're just finding that competitive advantage. But just saying nothing, like you do a terrible job of rubbing up the baseballs. You then stuff them all in. You you installed a humidor in every single ballpark and made it worse. These guys have to be able to control the ball. One, their livelihoods on the line. Like they have to be able to throw the ball over the zone, or they're going to be out of a job. Two, like you said, oh, you know, taking an, an Emmanuel Class A cutter to the face is could be deadly, right? Like that's not okay. So, the, but the fact that like, can we come up with something that we're all okay with and just use that? Whether it's a stick, a tackier rosin or something else that isn't too much of an advantage. Like MLB, we have the money and we can be able to do this. Now, I don't have a problem with the checks personally, whether it's eyewash or not, like go check them. But we can't get to the point where it's like this, you know, unspoken thing where it's like, ah, we'll let you get away with it. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're going to do it, then do it. Like you said, then it just does become eyewash. Like either you have something on you and you're done and I'm even cool with the like, hey, no one knows what I'm saying to you right now. Wash your hand off. And then mm-hmm. if you come back after that next inning and it's better, we're good. Like, I'm good with that. Give them a one get out of jail free card. I'm even fine with that. But the 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 flip-flopping, like you said, the autonomy of just like there is no – like what are we doing? It's just created confusion. The last point I want to make on this, dictionary.com. The definition of sticky is having the property of adhering, adhesive. The definition of tacky is sticky to the touch, adhesive. So they're synonyms for each other. And you're right. You're spot on. The umpires, Boone, they all use the term tacky because sticky stuff got that like – the word sticky got like this bad connotations during that whole stretch. Um, But they mean the same thing. Yeah. Call it what you want. Clearly, his hand was more than the the normal whatever guys are feeling on a daily basis. And, and I mean, guys are still getting the tech, right? Because it's, it's less of an issue and it's not as talked about as much. This was kind of the first big issue we've seen other than the theatrics of some of the checking, right? The Max Scherzer getting checked the, in Philly the one night. Joe Musgrove at City Field in the playoffs. Um like other than the theatrics of people getting, but in neither case have I seen a guy like, okay, you've been caught. What's next? We haven't had that, right? And obviously, to me, the most I don't know about you, but my most famous memory is Michael Pineda on Sunday Night Baseball at Fenwick yep. Park on his neck. Yeah, the the <laughs> yeah, but like to me, so the fact that it was like, okay, we've told you to wash your hand, you didn't, or it's still too tacky go ahead and keep pitching just next time, wash your hand off. Like that was bizarre. It was bizarre. It was yeah. a bizarre scene. And I think it was handled poorly by the umpires. To, you, to your point too, like to have the, the, the secret conference in front of the Yankees dugout too, was so weird to watch. And to not bring Rocco over. Ro- no, not to bring Rocco like, over. Yeah. Like, hey dude, you're going to have to be calm, but we're going to give you privy to what's going on. Right. And, and that's the only reason why he probably was forced to be ejected was because, well, you're right. He probably couldn't go in that back in that dugout and be like, well, boys there, he's still like, you got to get yeah. canned. But for anybody wondering, this was tweeted out by Jeremy Maschino. Might've messed up the last name, but kind of 
caught some viral love there, but Domingo Herman was down 100 RPMs on his curve, down 182 RPMs on his sinker, down 65 RPMs on his four seamer, and down 74 on his changeup. Now it's interesting because changeup and sinker, you want to kill spin anyway, but sometimes you have those balls that move so much because of obviously spin um, and obviously that being a big difference. And we really go back is those numbers seem small when we're talking about thousands, but RPMs and we look at what sticky stuff enables a dry hand compared to pine tar compared to sunscreen and rosin compared to spider tack is like roughly a hundred for each of those by level. So there was definitely something that caused those numbers to go down, even if it's a little bit um, in in the eyes of what you would see. But uh, that, those are some interesting things to see his numbers just take a direct hit. Well, there, to me, it's not because it's there was no question of whether or not there was something too yeah. tacky on his hand, right? Like the umpires clearly knew that. There clearly yeah. was an issue. And like, again, which is why it becomes so bizarre to me because it's like I saw that and he held his velo. Yeah. Which also tells you it's not because sometimes spin rate drops when velo drops because you're getting tired later in the game. He's working in the sixth, seventh inning the other day, and it's just so like it could be that, but it wasn't because his velo was still holding. It's clearly because he didn't have as good of a grip on the baseball, which again, to me, I wasn't surprised. Like, of course, they the umpires told you that. And yep. the, the theatrics of the whole thing proved that, that which is why mm-hmm. Rocco Baldelli was like, well, then why is he going back out there? Like again, I'm cool if he if you had not ejected him the first time, but you warned him. Like, mm-hmm. how many warnings do I get? And if I'm if I'm another pitcher in baseball seeing this, I'm like, now I am going to start pushing it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're just going to tell me to watch my. Head. And then if you want to eject me, then I'm going to appeal to the union and be like, well, what happened in this case? Yeah, and that's what that's what's kind of the most confusing thing for it all is, and I think this is a problem with umpiring in general. You have the pitch clock. Like I know like if I was an umpire and that number starts to hit 10, nine. Hey man, he get in the box. Right. Okay. Time, time, time. That's how I am as a person. Right. When you've got rule book, crazy man, who's been in, who just wants to flex his authority, 10, 9, you're done. Yeah, boom. It hit 8. Violation. Yeah, rule, rule and now book we don't have all over the, it. Yeah, there's And we all no, know umpires like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's umpires who are great. Obviously, the umpire who checked Domingo Armand, he's like, dude, I don't want to cause a problem. I don't want to fill out paperwork. I don't want to <laughs> have to Rob Manfred call me. I don't want to have to talk to the union. I don't want any of it. All right, right. wash your hands and we're good to go. Cool, cool. He didn't want to come in and be like, you're gone. Like he could have, but there's no guidelines and there's no structure to what causes an ejection and what doesn't and what causes same thing with the pitch clock. Like the umpire has the jurisdiction to restart the clock. Like again, when to call it, when not to call it. It's the the play clock violation in football. You have the guys that look at the play clock. Then they, they look at the ball. And then blow the whistle. Then there's the guys that are looking at the play clock, blow the whistle and throw the flag all in one motion when that thing hits two zeros. 
there's no like when you get the human element involved there's no guidelines there's no structure so it is very interesting to see obviously the umpires kind of allowed Domingo Herman to stretch the rule book and I'm sure this is not the first time it's happened or now it's just the fact that we're privy to it but it's kind of weird when there's no it's they're not robots who are making those decisions I think is the ultimate thing that I'd like to get across and I'm okay with that. And again, 100%. Yeah. It, it, we are getting, and I think not to defend them, we're getting to a point where there's too much for them. There's too much autonomy in their job. Like there's just too much going on. There's yeah. sticky stuff, at least the pitch play. And like, for whatever reason, baseball has like been a game of, of getting an, an advantage for forever. You always know, like will be. Always, yep. uh, yeah. Like it, it's just a cheating game when it's sign stealing or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, like we, we, there has to be a better answer though. And I think a universal thing, like do a better job prepping those baseballs. So they're not slick. Yes. Yep. For anyone who hasn't ever felt a baseball, when it comes right out of the, the, the plastic wrapping that a baseball is packaged in, I mean, it's like whack, like it's whack. It's a waxy, um, shiny kind of consistency yeah, shiny. that makes it yep. that makes it really hard to like you can't you can't grip it that well it slips mm-hmm. really easily throwing with a pearl is tough like and what and honestly it used to frustrate me as we've gone to like all turf fields essentially at the college level especially teams stop rubbing up say. baseballs and oh it my used to gosh. drive me nuts. I was one of the only oh I gosh. felt like pitching coaches in the conference that rubbed up the baseballs before games because I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to see a bunch of hit batters. I don't want to see a bunch of walks today on either side. Like, let's yep. play a clean game here. So let's rub these things up. And and well, it, I, it's funny you brought that up because I was thinking about it. Is when I pitched in college, we were at Cabrini, who had dirt bullpen mounds and they threw bars of soap out there that's brutal and i was and i literally i kid you not i almost i technically it's it's doctoring the baseball but i picked up dirt and started rubbing up the i spit in my hand picked up dirt and started rubbing up the baseball and the umpire goes you can't do that i said well tell these dudes to rub up their baseballs because i can't throw an off-speed pitch because of it right and it makes a difference and like i know they have the delaware river mud in the mlb so it should be better but they, they hardly yeah like those things got to look good and and then on top of that they lowered the seams right which makes it even worse cuz now you're throwing a pool like, ball with sweaty right. palms 60 <laughs> feet 6 inches as hard as you can that's 5 ounces that's a big difference than something that you can actually get seam your fingers around some seams so it's just something a lot to consider is the fact that like how well are these balls rubbed up? And like I said, I just wish that they just had, you know, keep the tacky rosin and put sunscreen on the ball that you put mud with, right? When right. you rub up the baseball, apply a tar, apply a sunscreen, apply something and then rub it in the mud so that it's a just equal playing field that like everybody's got tack. Well, and I think part of the issue too is the fact that, like, yeah, they lower the seams, blah, 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 you know, and like they stick these baseballs in a humidor for, you yeah, know, a month before they're used. So, like, that now you're changing it even more and you're making it worse because you're drying it out. Like, it's, it's, 
yeah, I mean, they need to change it. Um, they don't do, and they mass produce it, which is part of the issue, right? Rawlings is mass producing the baseball, so they like you know, but. <laughs> Then you could run into, and I get like you run into the clubbies with, you know, what clubbies going to be doctor in baseballs? I don't know. I don't know how you piece at the end of the day, but right, like, yeah, we got to get something where they can grip it and they can throw it. And and so we don't have people like you yelling at umpires that tell the guys to rub up the baseballs. Well, the, the end of the story was I, there was at, at Cabrini Carroll Field, there's a brick wall behind first base. So I it intentionally yanked the pickoff throw off the brick wall. Give ball me that ball back. back to me. Give me that ball back. Umpire's <laughs> like, I'm not saying anything. I said, I know you're not. And I used that one and it got fouled off and I never saw it again. Did not. I was just well a sunscreen and rosin guy. Yeah, yeah I just well, made I, it easy. I had, and I went to pine tar after that and it, it wasn't a good outing. Let's just put it that way. But I was, <laughs> I think I was just emotionally wrecked because I was, uh, so frustrated over the fact that I had to pitch with a freaking ball, a pool ball. Um, but obviously lots of baseball going on that's actually on the field. Um, that was a really good sit, uh, series in New York between the Twins. The Twins obviously have a great pitching staff. They got to get healthy in their lineup, but they pushed the Yankees. They played really good. Uh, actually, Pablo Lopez with a little extension there from the Twins. And, you know, I saw this tweet today, and we're not going to go into too much detail of it here because, uh, you know, Dan and I can get really long-winded, but there was a Twins beat reporter who tweeted that the Twins got a lot of flack for trading Jose Barrios. And people were trying to figure out what they were doing. And then they go and get Joe Ryan in a sneaky, sneaky trade. Joe Ryan was with the Texas Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. And go get him. He was an okay prospect, was never like a big deal. He was a name people knew. Go get Joe Ryan. Go get Pablo Lopez, trade an asset. You gave up an asset. Obviously, Luis Arias is a good baseball player. And now you end up with Joe Ryan and Pablo Lopez and Carlos Correa because you didn't want to spend money on Barrios. You didn't want to spend money in different ways like that. Where now you have these three guys for just money at this point locked up and the Twins decision makers, they do a great job. I just want to see it it translate to like playoff success at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, we've gone on and on about them, and, and I've been high on them since the winter. I mean, I think since the Pablo Lopez trade, I, I you know started going through that roster and was super excited. And like you said, the decision makers do a great job there. Um, I think the, the – the big league roster is always competitive. Um, I don't know. It's a weird, the playoff success thing is weird, um, mm-hmm. but I would love to, I would love nothing more than to see the twins win that division and, and go on a deep playoff run because I really like that roster. And I think they do a good job of evaluating their own talent um, and knowing yeah. exactly what they have and, and how to kind of build it to be competitive every year. And, it may be one of those things that they're just a little too small market where they're never going to go all out to win one World Series. They'd rather be knocking on the door of the playoffs every year, and that's okay. But at some point, like you said, I want to see them make the move. And four years, $73 million in this economy, I mean, you know what I mean? Like the way baseball, like the contracts we've seen for a that's, guy like did, Pablo what Lopez. What did Taiwan Walker get? Oh, my God. Taiwan Walker got five years, eighty four years, $81 million. Four years, $81 yeah, million maybe? That's what you're and paying And who would you rather have, Taiwan Walker or Pablo oh, yeah, that's Lopez? that's what I'm saying. 
That's what you're paying for mid-rotation On the free agent market, for sure. Yeah, and to lock Pablo Lopez up, huge. And his stuff has seen an uptick this year, too, since coming over from Miami. People forget he was dominant in the first half. He struggled with injuries in the second half. Like, I know what he was, statistically speaking, was not like, oh, like you think he took a huge step forward with the with the Twins this year. He hasn't. He was that no. good in the first half of last the year. The injuries in the second half of last year kind yeah. of derailed it. Four years, 72 for Taiwan, either way. I'd much rather have Pablo Lopez for the extra way than, much, uh, yeah. Then you Not know, a, a, at this point in innings, eater. No offense mm-hmm. to Tywin Walker, but Tywin Walker, what, what, Tywin Walker's biggest value right now is the fact that he's probably going to make thirty-three starts for you. Yeah, and you hope that he can get you through while while some other guys are struggling a little bit. Right, five, so, six innings, yeah. Um, obviously, we've spent a lot of time giving some teams some flowers, so uh, we're going to take another opportunity to talk about a team that Dan and I are very high on. We're now in their neck of the woods. They own the southeast of the country, and it's the Atlanta Braves. They're sitting right now at 12-4. and four. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, and obviously we've spoken several times on the fact that their roster is – just better, better than what it was in 2021. It gets better every year. I mean, you scan up and down the the roster on the whole, and it's like, oh, you add Sean Murphy when you already had a starting caliber catcher. You get Ozzy Albies back. Matt Olson's comfortable in Atlanta again. You get uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. to get his legs under him. Sam Hilliard's just a guy who can apparently play ball. Um, and just a collection of guys that are just super good, super talented. So, you know, Dan, so far through this season, obviously they've dealt with some injuries. They lost Dansby Swanson. They've had the shortstop dilemma that everybody thought was going to be a problem, but they still rattle off a 12 and four start to the season and still could continue to get better. I don't think they've played their best baseball. So what are some things that have stood out to you? Well, I think first things first, we want to talk about decision makers. There might not be better decision makers in the league than than the guys in Atlanta. Um, you know, they, they the way they build their rosters, the way they evaluate their talent, the way they are able to lock up guys and understand who's going to be a star and who isn't. And the biggest thing that stood out to me so far about this team is when your stars, like to one of the biggest ways to have a hot start to a season, especially when you're this talented is for your stars to play like stars to start the year, right? You have three guys on this roster that are OPSing, you know, one dotting and Olsen Acuna and Sean Murphy. You have three guys who are um, nine, have 900 OPSs. One of them's Hilliard. Who's only, you know, had 26 at bats, but the other two are Austin Riley who plays every day. And, um, uh, Sorry, there's one more. I know there is. Oh, it was Orlando Arcia, which I guess he hasn't played every day either, but he's a guy who who plays who's playing almost every day until he got hurt. So I mean, it's just it's impressive to see what they're doing. To have, you know, Olsen leads the team in homers, Olsen leads the team in RBIs, Acuna leads the team in average runs, stolen bases. Like that's what you need your stars to do, and and that's what they do. You know, opposed to a team in their division like the Phillies, um, who you know, JT Ramuto's struggling and Kyle Schwarber's struggling and Trey Turner's hitting for average, but he isn't slugging at all. And so it's like, well, yeah, look at the Wait, Braves. Why did 40 40 Trey Turner? Oh, dude, that I still can't get over that. That comment. will never get old. That will never, That'll get, never old. get old. I just can't understand. Like 40 stolen bases, maybe. I know I've said this many times, but doubling your home run total is like, it's really hard to do. <laughs> 
Uh, you ever wonder bash. how Chris Young was a our, decent ball player, but yeah, well, you ever wonder how powerful our biases are? Just recency bias in a full swing. You, if you don't pay attention to that stuff, you'll get caught up in it. Oh man, yeah, he hit, hit a couple five home or six home World runs baseball classic. in World Baseball Classic <laughs> in the spring training, and you think he's going to hit forty home runs? It's ridiculous. Forty but, home runs. I know, but but you know the Braves, like their lineup is so well rounded. And again, uh, the yeah. stars are when the stars play like stars, you get off to a start like this. And I agree, they haven't clicked yet. I mean, they're 16 games in. They are going to get better. I mean, this is a team that's going to win 100-plus games. And really, like, the Mets are playing fine. But the Mets, you know, go out to Oakland where I didn't think they played great. The Oakland walked 17 guys. They kind of limped to an – they had to come back in the ninth yesterday to win. So, like, I don't think the Mets are there. They've been without their two best pitchers. And here are the Braves. Like, the Braves could run away and hide with this thing. And Max Fried comes back tonight. Like, they've been doing this without him. And, and Soroka's probably going to make an appearance at some point. He's been impressing, and he looks like he's back to being the guy who was a Cy Young candidate. And, oh, yeah, he's 25 years old. Like, this team is just loaded. I mean, you look top to bottom, and, and the way they play, I mean, it looks like they have so much fun. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you watch these big league teams and it looks like they just go through the motions. And then as things pick up, you know, as they if they're in the race at the end of the year, then you can start to really see them starting having fun and playing loose. But the Braves, it's like, I don't know if it's just the collection of guys or if it's just Snit's persona in that clubhouse and how he manages things. But like the Braves just look like there's nothing else they'd rather be doing than playing baseball. And I know that's like a stupid kind of talk radio thing to say. But it's true. Like you watch them play, and it's just like, man, like this is. It's hard not to uh, root for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and just the impressive thing about the Braves is you mentioned their decision makers. Um, obviously, it's pretty self-explanatory what they've been able to do. Um, Dylan Dodd is was pitching in the rotation, and he struggled a little bit. But he was a twenty twenty one draft guy. Right, 2021, to see a guy that pr- basically hops on the Spencer Strider uh, bandwagon and, and takes the same trajectory to the major leagues of like, I only need one year in the minor leagues. It shows in their player development. It shows in their decision makers. Michael Harris was a 2020, 2020 draft guy, I believe. Um, maybe 2021. 19. Yeah, something in that range um, makes yeah. his debut shortly after. He was an 11th-round pick. Vaughn Grisham is a, obviously a later-round pick as well. And just their decision-makers and the consistency. And you look at a guy like Orlando Arcia. He's still only 28 years old. You see what he've, he's done so far this season. He's got a 51.4 hard hit percentage. He is averaging 91 miles per hour exit velocity, while all that is so, you know, important, what I think gets mistaken in this is last year he averaged 90.7 miles per hour exit velocity. He was a roughly league average hitter. He's a 42.5% hard hit percentage. And while that might not be the knock your socks off, like they believed in this guy. And through spring, we heard so much about like, oh, is Vaughn Grisham that bad defensively that it was right. Orlando Arcia's job? It's like, no, well, the Braves definitely see something in this guy. And I don't think he's going to be Dan to be Swanson level contributor on a day to day basis, year to year basis, but he's talented. 
he can play good enough defense to play every day, and he can bring you enough with the bat that push comes and shove, you can win a playoff series with him. And if it really gets really bad, you go get a shortstop at the deadline. I don't know who you're going to get. Shortstops don't exactly grow on trees on the trade market, but you can at least find flexibility there to find somebody to help you win ball games and to potentially put you in a position to be successful. And it's just what makes them super impressive. Well, and I think people forget that Arcia was a highly touted prospect with the Brewers. A huge prospect. I mean, it's not like there's not the talent there. And I also think that one of the advantages the Braves have is they don't even need to target a shortstop at the deadline if they don't want to because Arcia, between Arcia and Grissom, they're going to defensively play well enough to – not, you know, screw anything up for them. And offensively, look how they've built the rest of that offense. How much mm-hmm. contribution do you – like, right, like that's the – the rich don't need to get richer all the time. You know, like we don't need to be talking about the Braves need an offensive short success. That's the one hole, right? They, and that is what happens is when you have a team that's this well built, like the one hole gets, you know, magnified sometimes. It's like, well, shortstop. It's like, you know, you'll see – on MLB network a million times, not that they're wrong with this would be like, what potential, you know, issues could the Braves run into? It's like, well, the shortstop spot. And it's like, yeah, but not really. Cause to your point, Lando RC is plenty talented enough. Vaughn Grisham's plenty talented enough. That's their worst guy in their everyday lineup. And you look at the other guys that are out there. I'll be like, Albies hasn't even done anything yet. He's still getting his, his legs under him. He's still, you know, trying to get back into the groove of playing every day. Michael Harris still has, has kind of started off slow. We know the type of talent he is. And then you have Olsen and Riley and Acuna and Sean Murphy and Darno, And it's just like on and on. Like they don't even need it if they don't want it. They, you know, and then like the edges of the roster – Eddie Rosario, Sam Hilliard, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of Azunia. I don't think many people are, and he probably gets a couple too many at-bats. But look, man, I, it's impressive. And then if you flip over to the pitching side, like add Freed into a mix of Strider, Elder, and Morton, and that's a four – like that's four formidable guys right there that, that you, you can just hand the ball to and you know what you're going to get. Yeah, and, and not to mention Kyle Wright took a huge step forward last year as well. Like he's a he's a really good pitcher as well. He's not he's pitching to a six point two three so far this year. Um, but that's a guy who really came out last year. He yeah. threw hundred eighty innings for them. He had a three point one nine ERA. He struck out roughly a batter per inning. He's more of a ground ball specialist, but like that's a guy who's a stud. Max Fried's your ace. Like it's just the list goes on and on. Kirby Yates is healthy and back. You have Nick Anderson, who you mentioned. People forget what Nick Anderson was in 2020 for the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, dominant. Stuff. Dominant. And just the lineup is, I mean, Michael Harris is a superstar. Matt Olson is so good. Like, I, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he is. Olson Riley's going to compete for an MVP. Ronald Acuna is the Fernando Tatis Juan Soto level player. It's like you don't even need a shortstop to be special. You need a guy who posts every day, shows up, gives you enough value, and Vaughn Grisham can be that guy. I don't know how bad the defense is. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it enough to say whether he can or can't stick at shortstop. But defense at times is overrated. A, A lot of times is overrated. Um, because you only get exposed in small amounts. Obviously, they become larger when it happens later in the game, but 
who knows? Maybe you go get a guy. Andrelton Simmons is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. We talk about defensive yes. replacement outfielders. Give Vaughn Grisham two, three at-bats a game. Stick Andrelton Simmons in there for the seventh, eighth, ninth with the lead. Well, and I think right? Arcee is good enough to like, – Garcia can be that guy. And Arcee yeah, is probably Arcea good could to be stay in there every day. Yeah, definitely. And and But if it has to be – if it has to be Vaughn Grisham – because he is the more talented right. of the two. He is the prospect. He is 22 years old. He is a good baseball player. He had a great year last year. Um, does a lot of things well. If you want it to be that guy, then maybe you might have to go get some guy to take some pressure off of him defensively. And, and whether that be Arcia, whether it be a veteran like Andrelton Simmons, anything. Um, that would be interesting. Andrelton Simmons in a Braves uniform again, just as a defensive replacement. We cool. haven't seen that much with shortstop. Maybe nah. without the shift now, um, maybe it does come into play. Um, but we see it with outfitters all the time, defensive replacements. Um, but Yeah, because typically you're sticking – because typically there's no one playing every day at shortstop that's that, that bad. can't pick it. As a power yeah. hitter corner outfielder is right yeah. like you think of the guys that play in the corner outfielder outfield that like you know they're just out there because they're bad right they're serviceable yep. enough they're slightly below replacement level you don't see that at the short shortstop position every day you know you stick those guys in the corners but Definitely. I, I, I just don't see you know i know we'll wrap it up here but i just don't see where they fall off like i don't see it, Barring like Ray last year's Tampa Bay Rays, last year's Twins, like catastrophic, just injury after injury after injury that just kind of can deflate the whole group. I mean, this team's, I think, going to be the top seed in the NL heading into heading into the postseason. Yeah, I I was scrolling through social media today and I was wondering if it was clickbait or not, but MLB.com had them as their number one Power rank team in the MLB. I hate power now, rankings. I do too, but how you have them over the Rays so far, I don't know. But because <laughs> the, the Rays lost lends, two games this weekend, yeah, it kind of lends one six in a row. Yeah, it kind of lends a scope into you know just how good this team is. Um, and I, I know we've said it before, but they're they're better than the team that won the World Series. Oh, for like, sure, that team that won the World more Series more talented. Like that Phillies team last year, where they they got hot at the right time, mm-hmm. it went on mm-hmm. a run. Because um, yeah. that Dodgers team, right, was the best team in the league that year, yeah. bar none. And and you know that doesn't always. I mean, you saw with the Braves last year, and I think the Braves kind of exhausted so much energy coming back from. Uh, 10 games back in the division. But on the flip side, I think the Braves are going to be good enough this year, start to finish that it'll almost be better for them. If they get a little bit of push from the Phillies and Mets, um, yeah. just so that they can keep that edge. Because if the Phillies and Mets, like if the Phillies continue to do what they're doing. And for some reason, the Mets, you know, hit a wall, the Braves might win that division by 20 games. Yeah. They might have that thing wrapped up in the first week in September. Is that crazy to say? Mm-mm. Right, like you can see, and, and you know, I I worry about teams like the Dodgers like that sometimes because you play a whole month of baseball where you don't have that edge, and then you have to get into the postseason. So if you know the Phillies and Mets can at least give them some sort of challenge, I think it'll be really good for the Braves going in. And if they go in healthy and hundred plus game winners that I expect them to be, like 
how cool would a Braves Rays World Series be? Not many people would watch, but I think uh, you and I would be dialed in. Yeah, it'd be a lot of talent, a lot of talent. But we got a lot of baseball to go. The, oh, to, long the way World to go. Series is long is a way long way. Go. But kind of a look ahead here with some series to keep an eye out. If you're a if you're a night owl, it's going to be the week for you. We got Blue Jays and Astros kicking off at eight ten tomorrow. Um, with the Braves and Padres and then the Mets and Dodgers. So a lot of nightcap baseball. I will be asleep for that. <laughs> but luckily for us people that like to get out of bed early, we got Mets Dodgers at 310 on Wednesday and Braves Padres at 410 on Wednesday. So a little day game there. Um, just some good baseball to keep an eye out. And then the weekend we got the Cubs and the Dodgers again, Blue Jays and Yankees. Uh, Astros and Braves should be a good one. Looking forward to that one. And then the scrappy Diamondbacks take on the Padres. So, and, and the Cardinals and Mariners. So a lot of good baseball this week. Um, not as exactly the loaded series for the midweeks, but um, still a lot of good baseball to keep an eye out on and, and definitely be following with the with those series that do kick off today. We have the Astros up 7 nothing on the Blue Jays already. Jeez. Well, That's they haven't been playing. Though. At some point, they're gonna they're gonna kick it into gear. They've kind of just been, you know, Wolf. coasting their way through the first couple weeks. That was an ugly series against the Rangers. Um, they had an ugly series in Pittsburgh. So you, you figured at some point that Astros team is is gonna turn it up. Yeah, well they they they're beating up a really good pitcher right now. A really so, good pitcher, um, Kevin Gall. That was a great pitching matchup up. too. Javier's throwing for the uh, Astros tonight. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Lots of good baseball. Any closing thoughts before we uh, before we let our listeners go? No, this is still my favorite time of year. There's just nothing better than the beginning of, of baseball season, and, and you get to start kind of seeing how these things take shape. And you know, it, it's fun to uh, to just follow it every day. I oh, here's this real quick. This is I, I've seen this on Twitter a couple of times, and I've thought this for years. I think there should be mandatory two day games every day. That's fair. For those of us who uh, sit at a desk, <laughs> two like day it. games every day would be fantastic. There's nothing worse than when you look and there's just only night games. Which, yeah. thanks to the White Sox and Phillies for uh, a, a weather postponement tonight, we get a doubleheader tomorrow, so we will get some day baseball on Tuesday. Yeah, we had eleven o'clock start today for Red Sox. Yeah, rain though. Rain really kind rain. of threw a wrench in those plans, especially with Otani on the mound. Otani, yeah, but um. Yeah, until next time, uh, obviously make sure you're liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, uh, sharing with five friends. We're really enjoying doing this, obviously hoping we'll provide in the content that you guys are looking for for the MLB season. Make sure you're following on all social channels. It really helps the podcast out. Um, But other than that, until next time, see you guys on the next podcast. Great news. Major League Baseball is back the college baseball season continues to electrify and with the help of our friends over at seat geek we can get you out to whatever game you want to see all you need to do is head over to seat geek find your game you want to go to and enter promo code backside ground ball to get 20 dollars off your first purchase maybe you want to go see some nba or nhl playoffs i don't know maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country no matter what event you're looking to go to our friends at seat geek can hook you up with the best deals great seats and an affordable price you can't beat it make sure to enter promo code backside ground ball for 20 dollars off 
That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL.